You are listening to the Yummy Mummy Podcast with Laura Conley, episode number 10. Welcome to the Yummy Mummy Podcast, where you will learn brand new and shockingly different tools to lose weight for the last time. And now, here's your host, certified life and weight loss coach, Laura Conley. Hey, yummies, what is up? You guys, I have a very special episode interview with my husband. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Why do you even care about this? I want to reflect back to you what it's like to live and date and be married to somebody who's obsessed with food and their body. That was me. And what it's like to live and be married to somebody who is not obsessed with their weight and food anymore. That's why we have my husband on. I also think a lot of you guys are worried about your lifestyle if you do decide to change it. Like what is going to happen when you go out to dinner on dates with your husband? And how is this all going to work out? And so I want to bring him on the podcast today so that you guys can see more possibility in your relationship and that it totally works. And in fact, it's way better on this side. So you guys know we have to start with our fun fact and with a client comment. The fun fact is that my husband and I have been together since like 2019. I can't even do the math. Something like really long. 2019? That, wait, when have we been <laughs> together since? Oh, since I was 19 oh. and you were 20. Okay, you guys. So we've been together for like 18 years, which is so crazy. That's my fun fact. Babe, you were not supposed to talk yet. I'm supposed to introduce <laughs> you. So that's the fun fact is that we're college sweethearts and we met a long time ago. I'm sure Brian can tell you some more fun stories from the beginning. The client comment for today comes from my client, Evie, from Orange County. And she says, Laura teaches you how to lose weight for the last time in such a fun and unique way. But she also provides so much more than that. Join the Yummy Mummy and watch not only the pounds drop off, but all the other thoughts and beliefs that are holding you back from living your best life. I just think that is such a beautiful encapsulation of what goes on inside the Yummy Mummy experience. So if you guys are interested in joining that, you can go to the show notes and apply to work with me. The link is in there. Or you can just go to lauraconley.com. At the end of this episode, we are announcing the winners for the podcast raffle. So if you rated, reviewed, and subscribed to this podcast and emailed me your name of your review, you were entered. And we have the four winners just sitting right here. I announced it live on Instagram and Facebook. So I will tell you who those winners are at the end of this episode. And you guys can come and redeem your amazing Lululemon gift cards. So freaking fun. So let me introduce to you guys my husband. He's Brian. He's the love of my life, my college sweetheart. He is a scientist by day, the best dad ever. By night, we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and he's literally the best dad ever. He's so freaking amazing. Let's dive right in, babe. You guys, I call him babe. My best friend, Zoe, told me, oh yeah, there was this couple in high school and they were named the babes. And I was like, oh, that is so fun. I want to be the babes. And so then we became the babes and literally all of my friends, like my college friends and like Zoe, for example, like all call Brian babe. So only awkward when it's a guy. Yeah. (laughs) So let's just talk about kind of the beginning. What was it like to be in a relationship with me as someone who was obsessed with how much they weighed and obsessed with what diet they were going to be on and not be on? What was it like for you? Well, for me, it's 
a different experience because I don't have to worry about my weight whatsoever. Yeah, so, you guys, you know. he's one of these husbands <clears throat> that like can literally eat whatever he wants and like doesn't gain a pound. In fact, I feel like if he eats a lot of food, especially junk, he like loses, loses weight. weight. <laughs> yeah, and I'm 38 and still eating whatever I want whenever I want. <laughs> <laughs> so unfair. You know, from the beginning, it was one of those things I couldn't really relate to at all. Probably didn't really care about it at all. I'm obviously still very attracted to you. But in the beginning, when there's all that puppy love, I didn't really care if you were, you know, what weight you were. You know, I didn't care if you were five pounds or 10 pounds or 15 pounds overweight as you defined it. I just didn't really care. You know, it was hard for me to listen to it when I thought you were so beautiful to have you down on yourself all the time. Plus, just not really that interesting of a conversation. And I would say that's from my perspective, just being selfish. Like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, I don't care. And so I was pretty apathetic about weight. It's so interesting because for me, it was like the most important thing. And the thing that was like constantly on the top of my mind, you just like didn't even care about it, which just speaks volumes to its importance in the first place. Yeah, for something that was dominating your mind, and I'm sure dominates a lot of people's minds, like how much do I weigh? What do I look like? At least for large stretches of their lives. For other people then to have the perspective of it doesn't matter. I think we were talking earlier and I said, I thought about it 0.00001% as much as you did. So I would play the games with you and I would act like I cared. But you're also, I don't really have any power to do anything. I didn't, I can't stop you from putting something in your mouth. You I know? remember you one time, like we were like on the way to a party or something and you were, I was trying to like get you to hold me accountable and be like, don't let me eat. And you were finally like, just put your foot down. And I was like, I'm not going to like referee you. Yeah, because we used to play that game for a long time and probably in our mid 20s, sometimes three times a week, we would be out, you know, at a bar or out at a restaurant or whatever. I always had the job of make me not eat something, right? And so I I know I got this reputation for like the husband that was always like, don't eat that. You would say, well, when I've had, you know, three of these things, tell me not to eat anymore. And so no one else heard all that backstory. And then we'd just be at the bar and you'd be eating something. I'd say, don't eat that. And people are looking at me like, what an asshole. Oh my God, that's so funny. I remember like in the context of that conversation, you finally were like, you're just going to have to be accountable to yourself. Like if you really want to end this and handle this once and for all, like you are going to have to be accountable to yourself and be able to keep your word to yourself. There's no external accountability that can get you to where you want to go. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think the important part of that is you have to define what is your word to yourself? Like, what are you actually trying to do? Mm. And I think that was what was probably so confusing. And I saw all the changes over let's say, okay, for 20 years, how did things change over those 20 years? Well, it's always, it wasn't something I was keeping track of. Like, what are you allowed to eat? How much are you allowed to eat? Are we counting calories? Are we eating certain foods? Are we doing Atkins diet? (laughs) At some point, you just have to say like, here's what I believe about food, about my body, about whatever. You have to get a philosophy. And I think a philosophy is something that you actually do believe and and Mm. you value, and then you can actually be successful with it. But if your only goal is, I want to look good and I want to weigh less, then you're really willing to do anything. And I think there's just a lot of crazy stuff out there, you know, thinking about how much food we're going to eat, preparing certain foods and buying certain foods, doing programs, paying for programs, talking to friends, talking to family. And so there's all this activity. And then there's, you know, six days in the week of just like being so strict with calorie counting and this and that and journaling and in one millisecond, your brain decides I'm going to eat seven cookies, <laughs> you know, and you just eat seven cookies, like seven chocolate chip cookies. Like, and it just, so somebody's watching that. They're like, why would you do all that stuff? stuff and then just sabotage
sabotage it all in one moment. Probably for most people, it's not one moment. It's like, I'm going to do all that work during the day and then I get emotionally tired at the end of the day and yeah. then I eat something that I'm not supposed to eat. And then it's like the vicious cycle just over and oh, over wow. and over and over again. And it seems crazy to somebody watching, like, why don't you just not eat the damn cookies? So why could I just not eat the damn cookies? You wanted to eat the cookies. <laughs> you didn't want to not eat the cookies. It's true. But I also think what you're talking about is like willpower, right? Like yeah. I just didn't have the emotional bandwidth to say no to the cookies because my willpower was empty because willpower is not a renewable resource. And so I think, and Brian's talking about my philosophy around healing my relationship and our relationship with food and our bodies. And I think a lot of that has to do with not using willpower, which is a whole nother podcast episode. But I think that's why I couldn't say no to the cookies is because I didn't know how to use what I talk about as allow power, like allowing myself to want something. But that doesn't mean I have to answer that urge for that thing. And I didn't learn yeah. that until three or four years ago. I don't go into the pantry at night and just raid the pantry and eat a bunch of junk food. Every once in a while I'll have a snack, but I don't have desires or big urges for junk food. You know, I've never had to limit the junk food. So mm -hmm. when it comes along, I just eat it. If somebody makes a batch of cookies, I will eat five cookies and I won't ever think about it again. Mm -hmm. But then I'm not like, well, I need to go out tonight and eat five more cookies and five more cookies. But if I were thinking about food and restricting the foods, then the cookies get elevated as something that like I have to have. You'd end up doing that more often because your mind's all worked up about food. Yeah. I mean, it's literally exactly what I talk about. If you restrict, if we restrict ourselves, Brian's never restricting himself, right? So he's not creating an over desire. If we over restrict ourselves and we create an over desire and then we create overeating and then we create overweight and you just don't even have to deal with that because you're just not restricting yourself in the first place. You probably have a normal amount of desire for food. And so you weigh a normal weight. It's actually pretty simple. We were talking earlier, you guys, when we were prepping for this podcast, it just like some of the funny stories that have come about over the years because of the behaviors that I had set up. We lived in a really small apartment building in Santa Monica. It was 600 square feet, no air conditioning. It was an old building. So you could, you know, you could hear upstairs, downstairs, left, right. You could hear the two buildings over. Everyone was in everyone's business. We have two new neighbors moving in. And so they're in and out with all their stuff. The moving truck was there and they're moving all their stuff in so little did we know this you know our windows were open what we would always do is i would want to have some moderate amount of snacks in the house always in the time that my brain is like oh you want like a little something sweet that may be once a week or once every two weeks yeah i would want to go and like find the snack and like get it out and it's still there but the snacks were never there why because you would eat them. <laughs> no, because so, I would yeah. either eat all of, all them, of them in one sitting all or I would just not allow them to be in yeah. the house in the first right. place. So then I would, you know, I would hide stuff. And so I don't <laughs> this particular time, I don't know why I had these snacks, but I had those flips chocolate covered pretzels and I had a huge bag of them. And I was like, I'm going to hide these and I'm going to eat them like two at a time, you know, for the next Who two years. Who does that? Who can eat two chocolate covered pretzels at a time? So I, I hid them under the bed. Apparently, Laura found them. And so she's screaming at me and and what transpired next was what our soon-to-be neighbor heard. This all went down and Laura was yelling at me about why did you hide these things under the bed or whatever. No, like you didn't hide them well I enough. I didn't hide them well enough, apparently. I was super yeah, so it was mad. my it was my fault. Because then she of course got into them and ate them. But under the bed, you under guys? The bed. I mean, come yeah. on, that's the worst hiding spot. Under ever. the bed. So all rookie, this happens, she rookie. she eats them, she feels like shit, of course, because that's what happens. You eat and then you feel like shit, and then you get <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> so we, obviously yeah. your fault. so then like a week later one of the neighbors is over and she's introducing herself and we start talking and she's like my roommate thinks you're crazy she walked by your apartment when we were moving in <laughs> and 
she says, the man was saying, you know, why did you eat them? And the woman was saying, why did you think that hiding them under the bed was a good hiding spot? And I, you know, it's obviously your fault. And then I ate them all. And the man was saying, that's not my fault. And so she's recounting <laughs> this story to her roommate, who then the roommate then tells us. And it's funny because they ended up becoming good friends of ours. But it was always funny looking <laughs> back how crazy that that story yeah. must have sounded to some a passerby. Like, what are these people doing? The man is hiding food and the woman's <laughs> looking for food. It was like some kind of weird scavenger hunt. And then she eats all the food and then she gets mad at the man. Wait, okay, so you should tell everyone what it's like now in terms of our pantry and snacks and hiding food and what goes on. It's just no drama. So, like, what does our pantry have in it? Whatever. Yeah, like, literally, you guys, I can't even believe this. I I never thought I would be able to, like, have a pantry that had Flips pretzels or barbecue chips in there. You have pita chips in there. But really, you know, really for our kids, we don't want to have, like, a ton of junk food. But if there is something junky, we can put it in a hiding spot. But I can come back to it and it's well like, hide from our yeah. kids, not right, from me. For, yeah, you don't exactly. have to hide it no, from no. me anymore, do you? No. Which is so amazing because I really never thought that that could be possible. Like, really, there's tons of snacks in my old brain. My old brain would define it as like tons of snacks and tons of junk food. It's really not that bad in our pantry. And it just doesn't have a hold on me anymore because of the work that I've done over the years to heal all of this. So what is it like now living with me, being in a relationship with me now that I have overcome and healed my relationship with food and my body? What's it like now? I think when... If you truly care about people or anyone, you want them to have the life that they want to have, whether it's to just be Mm. completely free to eat what they want and then do whatever they want with their body. But you can tell, like I could tell that you wanted, you know, some freedom around food Mm. and your weight and what you look like and all that stuff. And people can judge that. But, you know, I'd say the vast majority of people want to have control of their weight, the foods that they eat, their relationship with food, and ultimately what they look like and how they feel and all that stuff. To not have it be a this dramatic thing that you're thinking about all the time that you're stressed out about that you have anxiety about you know that you have a bunch of negative emotions around it so for me it's just refreshing to see that you have what you want Mm. there's space and there's time for other things that I think are more important Mm. like what you know just healthier conversations about you know things that we want to accomplish and our kids and things like that and I think the conversation around the kids that may be one of your your topics but the conversations around the kids are healthy So we're not saying like, oh, you shouldn't do this or you should do that or don't eat this or don't eat that. You know, this is a healthy food. That's not a healthy food. We're counting calories. Like all that stuff I think is very negative to the kids and body image. And they get confused because they don't know. You know, they're just going to believe whatever you believe. I think it's a healthy environment for them to come up in. Well, that was like my next question, which is what do you think the benefit is of me having overcome this? Well, I think you just set a better foundation because everyone struggles with these things mentally and you go round and round and round. I don't really have any, that many regrets in life, but I do regret the time that I spent with, you know, anything like that, that you could be thinking about. I think that if you can set up your kids, that's a huge thing. Yeah, you want your kids to go to the best schools and you want them to do these great trainings and have skills and this and that and have good relationships. But that relationship with themselves can be all consuming. You know, it can lead down very dark roads for them. They don't know which way is up or down. And so to the extent that you can provide them stability and good foundation, good self-confidence, you know, healthy beliefs around any topic, that's like your job as a parent. You know, I think a lot of parents are probably doing all this other work. They're reading to their kids every night. They're like super good parents. And then they're talking about food. Those kids are seeing that you don't like yourself around food and that you don't Mm. like foods and foods are bad and these foods are good. And I think it would be very confusing for them. So were you worried at any point? Like we always, for the most part, knew we were going to have kids. Only really around, not that many. 
men don't deal with the issues, but I mean, just particularly worried around having a girl and Mm -hmm. then having the girl see all this stuff. And especially when we lived in LA, that's all they see in Mm -hmm. LA is skinny models that basically have food issues. They're going to get bombarded with that at some point, but to have a good foundation, I think is the most important thing because they, those, those things in your brain are getting set from a very, very young age. Yeah. You know, those neural connections are all getting formed. And so if there are positive neural connections, they're, they're, they're better off, better off in the long run. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, good thing I overcame that then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my question is, so I think a lot of my clients and a lot of the listeners probably struggle with, let's say I do decide to give up sugar or to give up flour. Like most mm-hmm. of you guys know out there that I rarely eat flour or sugar, maybe once a week, whatever. But I don't eat sugar and I don't eat flour for the most part because I feel amazing not having sugar and flour and because not having sugar and flour really helps me to balance my hunger hormones, weigh my natural weight. Again, this is probably a whole nother podcast, but my point is I don't have sugar and flour. And if you ever become my client or you want to take me up on my recommendations, one of my recommendations is moving away from processed sugar and processed flour. And people get really freaked out about that because they're like, well, how am I going to make dinner for my whole family? And like, what if my husband wants to make dinner? And What about going out to dinner with my husband and there's not going to be anything to eat? And so, babe, I would just want you to to speak to that. Has my quote unquote restrictive eating, which, by the way, you guys, I don't feel like it's restrictive at all. At the beginning, I felt like it was a little restrictive, but does it affect you in any way? No, it doesn't affect me. And I don't I don't think it affects us and it shouldn't. Yeah, it might affect some choices you make, but I'd really challenge whether you're having more or less fun or you're getting more or less pleasure out of an activity or a meal. I mean, when when did sugar and flour, like refined sugar and refined flour come into being? I mean, we're only talking a couple hundred years, right? Mm -hmm. So there were billions of people that were eating diets without that there. And so, yeah, so, so sugar and flour, I think that really is the purpose of them is they were really just an instant pleasure yeah, you know, that we design for ourselves. Yeah. And so all we're doing is saying, well, you know, that instant pleasure isn't necessary. And how pleasurable is it? Yeah. So I think I would just challenge people's thoughts and, you know, how much pleasure are you getting from these things? And how necessary does your family really think it is to eat a piece of bread with their steak dinner? I think back to the way my mom cooked and we and she the meals that had bread with them. I don't think I, as a kid, I would have noticed that there was no bread. The kids aren't going to really care. They'll eat whatever you put in front of them. I'm pretty adaptable. And I think most people's bodies are pretty adaptable to diet. And so if you're getting pleasure out of eating sugar and flour, I would just say, you know, go find pleasure out of eating a really high quality piece of steak. The, the healthy foods do have pleasure in them too. And I think more long-term pleasure. So maybe you're not getting that dopamine or whatever you get when you take a bite of sugar or flour, but you're getting that long-term satisfaction of that tasted good. I know it was good for me. And then I feel good later. Yeah. It's like you know? the difference between false pleasure, like sugar and true pleasure, like yeah. a steak or whatever true pleasure equals for you. Like if you guys don't eat meat, it doesn't matter. Obviously yeah. there's still so many beautiful foods that you can have. And people want to focus on no sugar and no flour and like, no, 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 restrict, restrict, restrict. If you look at the amount of foods you can still eat, the list is so long and you still eat sugar and flour. Like, do you ever feel deprived or restricted? Like, have you even noticed a difference? No. And I think about like the toughest, you know, quote unquote diet or whatever we ever went on was when we were doing a cleanse. So it was Kia's cleanse. It's actually kind of invigorating to challenge what foods you're eating and to start trying to eat other foods because in your diet, you are neglecting other food groups that 
have a lot of nutrition and also pleasure mm -hmm. in them. They taste good and they're, you know, they're, they're good. So for me, anytime somebody's like, well, let's do this certain thing or let's change the way we eat or whatever, it's actually kind of invigorating to say, well, you know, what am I missing? Oh. You know, if I eat a completely vegan diet, you know, I think I can enjoy that because I'm going to eat a lot of foods that I don't typically eat. Yeah. Now, I think long term, that's where people really probably struggle. It's like it's easy to get into something for a week or two or whatever. And it's just those habits and discipline. That's the, the big hill you have to get over to commit to something long term. Because I think so many people are worried, you know, about well, like, what do I do if my husband like makes me my favorite type of cupcakes? What if he wants to go out to this certain restaurant? Am I going to have to tell him no? Is he going to be mad? And if anything, I think our relationship is so much better now that I eat the way that I eat. If anything, we have more fun when we go out. If people are really thinking about that as a deterrent to taking on a new diet, then what they're dealing with is the food issues. And then they're also dealing with, you know, self-confidence or interpersonal relationship, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. issues where they feel like if I tell somebody this, then they're going to think that I'm weird. And then they're dealing with that too. And so from, you know, doing coaching and all that, I think you always have these symptoms that you're addressing. And then as soon as you start to touch on one thing, you end up going deeper and seeing all the other stuff that's there. Yeah. And they're always, they're all connected. If you can't be confident about your food choices enough to tell somebody, I don't eat that type of food, then how would you ever plan to stick to a diet or, you know, a way of eating? Because yeah. then, then you're just so influenced by whatever other people want you to do. Yeah, and it does yeah. go back to confidence. It yeah. goes back to having your own back. It goes back to letting somebody judge you or be mad at you or be annoyed at you. But yeah. I think you were always so supportive in me eliminating sugar and flour. Yeah, um, and that just when you do go out to eat, and I know that the places we go out to eat are not exactly the same as where people, other people go out to eat, but at a certain you know reasonable level of a restaurant, there are so many options for food. There's you know. always something I can have. So do you ever not get to go to like your... No. No. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't we, affect me. It never yeah, it doesn't affect me. Yeah. And I, that's what I yeah. really want you guys to take home is me not having sugar and not having flour and the healing I've done around food in my body has served our relationship on such a deeper level. It hasn't hindered our relationship at all. It yeah. hasn't made us have less fun. If anything, it's relieving because I, I can just like, there's no, I don't have to like tiptoe around there's things. No like, what are, there's no rules that I have to remember because I, they're not my rules. And then they all suddenly change. Like, I don't have to recall all the rules of like what you're doing or not doing. And then, and then if you get it wrong, yeah, then I'm mad and, at you. Of course, me in the monitor and, you know, whatever, <laughs> hiding food. I'd say it's affected us in a positive way, not a negative way. Yeah. Sure. I think like the last question I want to ask you is, kind of bigger picture because as you guys know, I healed my relationship with food through coaching tools, through balancing my hunger hormones, but also through rewiring my brain and knowing how to handle my emotions and knowing how to develop inner accountability. So I really, really attribute my success in this area of my life and me being kind of done with it once and for all to coaching tools. And coaching for me has just been so transformative. If you guys saw my last email that I put out, I talk about how much I invest in coaching and why I think it's the best investment. And so for me, coaching hasn't always been a part of my life. I was a yoga teacher for seven years and really immersed in that world and loved it and still do. But of all the things I've tried, of all the self-help books I've read and all the trainings I've gone to, Coaching by 
far has been the most impactful for me personally and just me getting to enjoy myself and be who I want to be again in the bigger picture and then also when we dial it down to my weight and my relationship with my body and food and I just want to hear from you Brian that's weird when I call you Brian not babe right (laughs) (laughs) whenever he calls me Laura I'm like oh my god am I in trouble And then he does the same thing. He's like, wait, did you just say Brian? So anyways, I want to hear from you what you've noticed in terms of coaching being a part of my life. So now, obviously, I'm immersed in it. And 10 or so years ago, I wasn't. Have you seen a difference? What do you think? Yeah, I think I just want to hear definitely from an emotional standpoint, you know, it's more even keeled, right? So the, the high <laughs> yeah, I can watch him, yeah. you guys. I'm watching him try not to say anything <laughs> bad or wrong or offensive. Whatever, babe, just say it. You know, why do people want to go all over the place emotionally? The net of that is not an average like you feel good at the end of the day. If you're having these super high highs and super low lows and you're all over the place emotionally, that is a net negative. And if you're able to make everything just its own thing and you work through it and you can quickly regulate your emotions, that makes for a pretty good day. You know, you feel like in control, you know you're going to feel some stuff, but you're not going to overreact or underreact anything. And I think that's, you know, where you've come starting with the food, you're essentially coaching yourself as you go, right? Mm, so you yeah. you know that you're thinking something and you can be the silent watcher or whatever. You see yourself thinking it. You see that you had an emotion or whatever. And so for me, we used to have these like fights. So every, every night when you came home from work, because from you, the gym, and then I think the last time you would have eaten would be like lunch or something, yeah. right? You would have lunch, no snack, go to the gym at 630, you'd come home and you're like all I come home at like eight thirty because I think at yeah. that time we were like doing yeah. the dine at nine thing, yeah. and I was like in the midst of trying to starve myself during the week right. and like go crazy on the weekend. Right. Probably. So then you come you come home in this like you know meltdown of blood sugar and emotion and all this stuff, and then it's like hangry, hangry, and then you had no idea why you were in a bad mood. Yeah. Right? And so I think with coaching and all the work you've done around food and when you eat and all this stuff, like. You just get to that normal, sustainable level every day. You know what you're doing. You know why you're doing it. You're not emotional about it. It's just not an issue. It's not an issue yeah. that then affects your other you know, emotional states because you're melting down about food or something or what you ate or that you didn't eat. And then something else comes up that's like minor that you should be able to discuss. It's that it's just that one thing isolated, right? Totally. And it was just like <laughs> seeping into all the yeah. other areas and into our relationship. And I think I was asking you in kind of preparation for this podcast or just learning more from you what it's like from the outside perspective. And I was like, what's it like now that I'm like so into coaching and that I get coached every week and that I am a coach, obviously. What is it like before and after? And you were like, I think you're just like way nicer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, that's yeah, I think there's people can get caught up in like they're they're struggling with something and then there's something else comes up and it becomes somebody else's fault you know, that their emotion and the, their energy is all focused on some something else that somebody did to them. It's a lot easier. And to I think like that, yeah, that, that all went away. It was like, look, I'm accountable for my own thoughts and feelings. And so I'm just going to be accountable across the board. And so a lot of the stuff that I was doing, wrong, quote unquote, doing wrong is, is gone. It makes it easier to live with that person. 
if they if they're being accountable to themselves ultimately you can be accountable to yourself ultimately obviously there's going to be stuff in any relationship yeah. but the stuff is minimized no we have know? a perfect relationship yeah, perfect. you guys now that Never i fight. Yeah. now that i'm super into coaching and i mean it's been years and years yeah. now but i i think part of my mission yes it's to help all the moms to end the drama and be free of the physical weight but like brian was talking about earlier also the mental weight and the emotional baggage but another part of my mission is to like help people understand that like coaching is a tool that's out there that you can use to feel better more. It's just been the most effective tool that I've seen and I've always been kind of seeking. I love all the other tools that I've explored like yoga and meditation, but they just haven't had near as big of an impact as coaching. Yeah, because that's ultimately what you're doing all day long is your true self is coaching your irrational reactive mm. self you're just coaching 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 so when you hear that little voice that's like ah go eat some cookies like you're coaching that person that's also you <laughs> yeah not to eat the cookies or to you know to stay true to your values and i think that that inner voice just gets more and more powerful the more you practice with mm. it and that's what kind of coaching or self-work does is builds up that yeah you know the person that knows what you really want yeah it's just an awareness tool yeah Without further ado, we have to announce the winners to the raffle. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Now, if you haven't done this, it's not too late. You can still rate, review, and subscribe. Please do. If you're getting anything from these podcasts, it would be so amazing if you could go on rate, review, and subscribe in Apple Podcasts because that helps other moms and women find this podcast and free themselves, right? And that is what we all want. Brian and I were talking about earlier, we want to pass down that freedom and liberation and strong foundation around food in our bodies to our kids, our sons and our daughters. So, okay, you guys are going to laugh. The first person that I pulled (laughs) was my mom. (laughs) It's so good. So my mom won one of four Lululemon gift cards. Joan Paterosi, Emily Gee, and Carrie Schlegel. You guys all at once. So what you have to do, it's so easy. All you do is email me, Laura at LauraConley.com, your mailing address, and I will email you your Lululemon gift card. How freaking fun is that? That is the best. So I will see you guys next week. I hope you have the best week ever. Bye for now. Hey. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you rated, reviewed, and subscribed in Apple Podcasts. And if you've enjoyed listening, you have to come check out the Yummy Mummy Experience. It is my proven course and group coaching program where we take all this material to the next level and yep, you guessed it, lose weight for the last time. So if this is something that you want, head to lauraconley.com and click work with me. The best part, it comes with a body back or money back guarantee. And of course, you guys, if you haven't gotten your free podcast listener gift, head to lauraconley.com forward slash gift. There are three weight loss hacks inside this gift that I am so excited to share with you. These are the three things that I do every day and my clients do every day to lose and maintain their weight. So head to lauraconley.com forward slash gift. If you guys don't know how to spell Laura Conley, it's just L-A-U-R-A-C-O-N-L-E-Y. I will see you there.